For those new to the podcast, welcome to where members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feel like they connect with and enjoy the scriptures within minutes. We do this verse by verse, with the help from modern witnesses of Jesus Christ, giving deep, powerful, and engaging insights to what we are reading. Also, helping us see how ancient scriptures very much apply to us in the modern day. Feel free to follow this podcast to stay up to date and share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Right now, we are gaining insight on the Book of Mormon. My style is to always read the verse or verses first to give us context, and then let those verses really flourish in your minds by accompanying them with insights directly after. This way, we get a healthy dose of scriptures with our commentary. I invite you to listen to the scriptures being read intently before the insights and see if you can find what the topic will be. I also invite you to write down anything you needed to hear today and feel free to share it with the community using the hashtag AllInChristDaily. So, first, Nephi 16, 10 and 26 through 29 states for us, And it came to pass that as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door to his great astonishment, he beheld upon the ground a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was of fine brass. And within the ball were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whither we should go into the wilderness. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord said unto him, Look upon the ball, and behold the things which are written. And it came to pass that when my father beheld the things which were written upon the ball, he did fear and tremble exceedingly, and also my brethren and the sons of Ishmael and our wives. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the pointers which were in the ball, that they did work according to the faith and diligence, and heed which we did give unto them. And there was also written upon them a new writing, which was plain to be read, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. And it was written and changed from time to time, according to the faith and diligence which we gave unto it. And thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. Elder David A. Bednar explained the purpose of the Liahana and compared it to the Holy Spirit in our day. The Liahana was prepared by the Lord and given to Lehi and his family after they left Jerusalem and were traveling in the wilderness. This compass or director pointed the way that Lehi and his caravan should go, even a straight course to the promised land. The pointers in the Liahana operated according to the faith and diligence and heed of the travelers and failed to work when family members were contentious, rude, slothful, or forgetful. The compass also provided a means whereby Lehi and his family could obtain greater understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. Thus, the primary purposes of the Liahana were to provide both direction and instruction during a long and demanding journey. The director was a physical instrument that served as an outward indicator of their inner spiritual standing before God. It worked according to the principles of faith and diligence. Just as Lehi was blessed in ancient times, each of us in this day has been given a spiritual compass that can direct and instruct us during our mortal journey. The Holy Ghost was conferred upon you and me as we came out of the world and into the Savior's Church, through baptism and confirmation. By the authority of the Holy Priesthood, we were confirmed as members of the Church and admonished to seek for the constant companionship of the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. As we each press forward along the pathway of life, we receive direction from the Holy Ghost, just as Lehi was directed through the Lehana. For behold, again I say unto you, that if you will enter in by the way, and receive the Holy Ghost, it will show unto you all things what ye should do. The Holy Ghost operates in our lives precisely as the Liahana did for Lehi and his family, 
according to our faith and diligence, and heed. 1 Nephi 16.18 states for us, And it came to pass that as I, Nephi, went forth to slay food, behold, I did break my bow, which was made of fine steel. And after I did break my bow, behold, my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow, for we did obtain no food. One commentator explained the use of steel in the Book of Mormon. The overall question of the use of metals by Book of Mormon cultures is an important topic that deserves detailed attention. There are five explicit references to metal weapons and armor in the Book of Mormon. Two are references to Near East weapons. The blade of Laban's sword was of the most precious steel, and Nephi's bow was made of fine steel. The existence of steel, that is, carburized iron, weapons in the Near East in the early 6th century BC, has been clearly demonstrated. Robert Madden writes to sum up, by the beginning of the 7th century BC at the latest, the blacksmiths of the Eastern Mediterranean had mastered two of the processes that make iron a useful material for tools and weapons, carburizing and quenching. First, Nephi 16, 21 through 25 states for us, Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, having been afflicted with my brethren because of the loss of my bow, and their bows having lost their springs, it began to be exceedingly difficult, yea, insomuch that we could obtain no food. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did speak much unto my brethren, because they had hardened their hearts again, even unto complaining against the Lord their God. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make out of wood a bow, and out of a straight stick, an arrow. Wherefore, I did arm myself with a bow and an arrow, with a sling and with stones. And I said unto my father, Whither shall I go to obtain food? And it came to pass that he did inquire of the Lord. For they had humbled themselves because of my words, for I did say many things unto them in the energy of my soul. And it came to pass that the voice of the Lord came unto my father. And he was truly chastened because of his murmuring against the Lord, insomuch that he was brought down into the depths of sorrow. Elder Neil A. Maxwell shared how great lessons often come after difficulties. Nephi's broken bow doubtless brought to him some irritation, but not immobilizing bitterness. After all, he was just trying to feed the extended family, so why should he have to contend as well with a broken bow? Yet out of that episode came a great teaching moment. Irritation often precedes instruction. Elder Richard G. Scott taught that adversity can help stimulate necessary growth in our lives. May I share some suggestions with you who face the testing that a wise Heavenly Father determines is needed even when you are living a worthy, righteous life and are obedient to His commandments. Just when all seems to be going right, challenges often come in multiple doses applied simultaneously. When those trials are not consequences of your disobedience, they are evidence that the Lord feels you are prepared to grow more. He therefore gives you experiences that stimulate growth, understanding, and compassion which polish you for your everlasting benefit. To get you from where you are to where he wants you to be requires a lot of stretching, and that generally entails discomfort and pain. The loss of Nephi's bow raised doubts in Lehi's colony, causing some to turn from God and focus on the negative. Elder Robert D. Hales counseled us to turn to the Lord when we face trials. I have come to understand how useless it is to dwell on the whys, what-ifs, and if-onlys, for which there likely will be given no answers in mortality. To receive the Lord's comfort, we must exercise faith. The questions, why me? Why our family? Why now? Are usually unanswerable questions. These questions detract from our spirituality and can destroy our faith. We need to spend our time and energy building our faith by turning to the Lord and asking for strength to overcome the pains and trials of this world and to endure to the end for greater understanding.
murmuring and complaining seemed to have become second nature for Laman and Lemuel. Even Lehi had become discouraged enough that he murmured. Elder Marion D. Hanks, of the Presidency of the Seventy, emphasized Nephi's great character in how he approached this crisis. Nephi says he made a bow and an arrow out of some available wood, got a sling and stones, and I said unto my father, Whither shall I go to obtain food? Is a simple thing, isn't it? This means that Nephi went to his father and said, Dad, the Lord has blessed you. You are his servant. I need to know where to go to get food. Dad, you ask him. Will you? Nephi could have gone to his own knees. He could have taken over. I count this one of the really significant lessons of life in the book. And, I repeat, the pages are full of them. A son who had strength enough, and humility enough, and manliness enough to go to his wavering superior and say, You ask God, will you? Because somehow he knew this is how you make men strong. That wise confidence in men builds them. Lehi asked God, and God told him, and Lehi's leadership was restored. Nephi showed great humility by going to his father, even after Lehi had murmured. Nephi still honored him. President Ezra Taft Benson told of an experience that illustrates the principle of seeking counsel from our fathers, even though they may not be perfect. Some time ago, a young man came to my office requesting a blessing. He was about 18 years of age and had some problems. There were no serious moral problems, but he was mixed up in his thinking and worried. He requested a blessing. I said to him, have you ever asked your father to give you a blessing? Your father is a member of the church, I assume? He said, yes, he is an elder, a rather inactive elder. When I asked, do you love your father? He replied, yes. Brother Benson, he is a good man. I love him. He then said, he doesn't attend to his priesthood duties as he should. He doesn't go to church regularly. I don't know that he is a tithe payer, but he is a good man, a good provider, a kind man. I said, how would you like to talk to him at an opportune time and ask him if he would be willing to give you a father's blessing? Oh, he said, I think that would frighten him. I then said, are you willing to try it? I will be praying for you, he said. All right, on that basis, I will. A few days later, he came back. He said, Brother Benson, that's the sweetest thing that has happened in our family. He could hardly control his feelings as he told me what had happened. He said, when the opportunity was right, I mentioned it to father, and he replied, Son, do you really want me to give you a blessing? I told him, Yes, Dad, I would like you to. Then he said, Brother Benson, he gave me one of the most beautiful blessings you could ever ask for. Mother sat there crying all during the blessing. When he got through, there was a bond of appreciation and gratitude and love between us that we have never had in our home. First Nephi 1634 states for us, and it came to pass that Ishmael died and was buried in the place which was called Nahom. The Hebrew meaning of Nahom might be consolation, from the verb Nahom, which means to be sorry or to console oneself. An insane news article described an archaeological find that revealed the name Nahom in the Arabian Peninsula. A group of Latter-day Saint researchers recently found evidence linking a site in Yemen, on the southwest corner of the Arabian Peninsula, to a name associated with Lehi's journey as recorded in the Book of Mormon. Warren Aston, Lynn Hilton, and Gregory Witt located a stone altar that professional archaeologists dated to at least 700 BC. This altar contains an inscription confirming Nahom as an actual place that existed in the peninsula before the time of Lehi. First, Nephi 17.4 states for us, and we did sojourn for the space of many years. Yea, even eight years in the wilderness. 
In Alma 37:39 through 43, Alma informed us that Lehi's family did not travel a direct course or did not progress in their journey because on so many occasions the Lehana ceased to work. It ceased because many of them did not exercise faith and they transgressed the laws of God. This would explain why a journey that would have been of much shorter duration took so long. 1 Nephi 17:6 states for us, And it came to pass that we did pitch our tents by the seashore, and notwithstanding we had suffered many afflictions and much difficulty. Yea, even so much that we cannot write them all. We were exceedingly rejoiced when we came to the seashore, and we called the place Bountiful because of its much fruit. Lehi's family exceedingly rejoiced when they came to the seashore at Bountiful. Bountiful must have been a fertile area, following our twelve conditions that existed in the land of Bountiful. Fresh water available year-round, much fruit and also wild honey, fertile ground in both the general area and the specific location where Lehi's family camped, reasonable access from the interior desert to the coast, a mountain prominent enough to justify Nephi's reference to the mount and close enough that he could go there to pray oft, cliffs from which Nephi's brothers could have thrown him into the depths of the sea, shoreline suitable for the construction and launching of a ship, ore and flint for Nephi's tools, enough large timber to build a seaworthy ship, suitable winds and ocean currents to take the ship out into the ocean, no population residing in the area nearly eastward of Nahom. First Nephi 17, 7-19 states for us, And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, had been in the land of Bountiful for the space of many days, the voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise, and get thee into the mountain. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain, and cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship, after the manner which I shall show thee, that I may carry thy people across these waters. And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I may find R to molten, that I may make tools to construct the ship after the manner which thou hast shown unto me? And it came to pass that the Lord told me whither I should go to find ore, that I might make tools. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make a bellows wherewith to blow the fire of the skins of beasts. And after I had made a bellows, that I might have wherewith to blow the fire, I did smite two stones together that I might make fire. For the Lord had not hitherto suffered that we should make much fire, as we journeyed in the wilderness. For he said, I will make thy food become sweet, that ye cook it not and I will also be your light in the wilderness. And I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. Wherefore, inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led towards the promised land, and ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. Yea, and the Lord said also that, after ye have arrived in the promised land, ye shall know that I, the Lord, am God, and that I, the Lord, did deliver you from destruction. Yea, that I did bring you out of the land of Jerusalem. Wherefore, I, Nephi, did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord, and I did exhort my brethren to faithfulness and diligence. And it came to pass that I did make tools of the ore, which I did molten out of the rock. And when my brethren saw that I was about to build a ship, they began to murmur against me, saying, Our brother is a fool, for he thinketh that he can build a ship. Yea, and he also thinketh that he can cross these great waters. And thus my brethren did complain against me, and were desirous that they might not labor, for they did not believe that I could build a ship. Neither would they believe that I was instructed of the Lord. And now it came to pass that I, Nephi, was exceedingly sorrowful because of the hardness of their hearts. And now, when they saw that I began to be sorrowful, they were glad in their hearts, 
insomuch that they did rejoice over me, saying, We knew that ye could not construct a ship, for we knew that ye were lacking in judgment. Wherefore, thou canst not accomplish so great a work. Nephi's response to the Lord's command to build a ship gives us insight into his remarkable faith. Other prophets have also been overwhelmed at times by tasks commanded by the Lord. Moses felt inadequate when called to lead the children of Israel. Enoch felt he was slow of speech and wondered why the Lord called him. Nephi might have been overwhelmed with the thought of building an ocean-going vessel. Instead, his response displayed great faith. Whither shall I go that I may find ore to molten, that I may make tools to construct the ship? Nephi's confidence did not likely come from any previous shipbuilding experience. Rather, his confidence stemmed from tremendous faith in God.